the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Are here thanking you for joining us tonight, folks. Really glad you're along with us. Uh, we're just kind of getting settled in here again. Used to it. Thank you so much for uh, uh, Jacob. Thank you so much for last week for filling in, and you and Mike, uh, uh, Professor Mike. Uh, His name uh, is Mike McDowell, and he's a, he really is a Bible scholar. I'm so and, thrilled. And he was a, he was a real joy to have on. Very knowledgeable, and I got to say, you know, he's uh, he, you know, he's certainly got a background in the Bible, and uh, and you'll be happy to know he's a Baptist. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 that's good, and I find that uh, I enjoy him because he's very smart, and uh, as you are, and, <laughs> and but I also a, a big change from our normal. <laughs> yeah, but, but I got to say, so you know, and you have to have leeway. And yeah, of per, course. You have to have leeway, but parameters. Yeah. And I got to say, he certainly is a knowledgeable guy. He's what would be easily classified as a scholar. Well, from everything you've told me in the past, uh, many of his comments, we've already discussed them our, ourselves personally together. Some of the things that you've uh, that he's told you, and that you, I think you've been and talked with his classes. Uh, I a have. couple of times, yes, and I, uh, I, I just knew. I just felt like Mike would be a great, great uh, uh, substitute sitting in, and hopefully uh, if he enjoyed it, which I, I assume he probably really did, hopefully maybe in the future we, as well. We've already when scheduled we have to be the circumcision for him. No, I'm <laughs> no. What do they call it? A br- bris? A, br- a, a bris. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Mike. Uh, actually, maybe he didn't know that. It can yeah, be. It can be the letter T instead of the letter S. Mm-hmm. That's why there had been a theory in the past that uh, Britain, uh, 
mm-hmm. was the covenant man. That's where some of that theory came from. They said, well, some of the, one of the tribes must have gone over to England, and they were the Brits, or it can be a T, Brit man, covenant man. That's where that theory comes Interesting. from. Interesting. Hmm. How's that feed into uh, what, what was the magician's name with King Arthur? Um, uh, Merlin. Merlin. Yeah, Merlin. Oh, One of C.S. Lewis' books, I, I don't know if folks know this, he, uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, the great uh, British author and, uh, and, and uh, apologist, Christian apologist from the last century. Uh, brilliant, that brilliant bother fellow. You when people say apologist, it sounds like, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, it sounds like it, it doesn't. Sounds it. Like, so, uh, and it's such a antiquated word. Oh, yes. Only the people that practice in the field understand what an apologist is. Yes. Everybody today thinks I'm apologizing because they did something wrong. I better I better explain that, I guess, perhaps. Uh, the apologist, the idea of a, a, a Christian or theological uh, apologist is the one who defends, defends the faith. Yeah, the that's idea. right. He explains and defends it. That's what the ancient meaning is. But today we all say, I'm sorry, I bumped into you. <laughs> Pardon I'm sorry. Me, uh, <laughs> That's funny, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, <clears throat> Lewis was, was phenomenal uh, uh, intellect, and so on. And what am I? What was I even trying to get to? I've forgotten even now what I was going uh, ah, to say. Ah, I was successful. <laughs> I was deterred. I used to know. There. I used to actually know a senator uh, from another state, mm-hmm. and he always used to joke, and he said, "Listen, interruptions are never successful unless you interrupt a busy person." And then if he interrupts you, he'd say, has my interruption been successful? <laughs> and I'd have to say yes. Yes, in this case it really was. But it's it, going to come back to and me, then I guarantee he says, you. And then he would always say, and remember this, but for me there would not have been an interruption. <laughs> <laughs> don't interrupt me when I'm talking. Or don't talk to me while I'm interrupting, something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, let's see. We, 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 we've got a lot to cover tonight. We do. We have a lot. Uh, all I this really want to spend some time because Mark, uh, the professor, I'll call him Mark, uh-huh. when he was here last week, we talked about Galatians. We got into the little bit of the meat in the beginning of the substance. Uh, I bet you did. And, I, the, uh, and But I'd also like to – I did a lot of work on this as subsequent to that. Uh-huh. And I, I'd like to discuss a little bit more because I am really just full of Galatians, you might say. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll, we'll do that. Let's get into it just in, in a moment. Let me give – overall, though, for our listeners, let's know that we – this last week we finished up reading uh, the last two chapters, chapters 5 and 6 of the – uh, Paul's letter yes. to the churches to, in Galatia. Now, Galatia is not a city uh, as Ephesus was or Philippi. Uh, Galatia, Galatia was a region, uh, I guess we'd call it almost like a state or a region within the Roman Empire. And so it was uh, sent to the congregations and churches in that region, passed from one to the other, read aloud to the congregations, as we read aloud to you each and every weeknight, Monday through Friday at 9.30 on this great station, where you get a chance to hear um, a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures every weeknight, the whole Bible every year. So that's they were reading the scriptures to the people, and uh, Paul wrote this letter to the churches in Galatia, and it was uh, passed around and copied and read to the different congregations and so on. Uh, and it's considered to be, I don't know if you, I guess y'all probably mentioned this, uh, kind of a book of Romans light. Uh, it's, it's among the more theological letters of Paul. Uh, he had visited these churches, so he didn't have a need to, like in the book of Romans, to go from the very beginning all the way through. But he, it is very theological, and, and um, 
I think uh, and very some angry. of the same mark and very angry and, and angry. There was there was some particular specific problems going on. Oh, listen, he one wanted, of my favorite verses that he wanted to address. Five. The what? Which one? Uh, chapter five of Galatians. What's he say? Because he's talking about circumcision, right? Yes. And then five twelve, he says, "Oh, I wish those people are wanting to circumcise oh, yeah. themselves." Would and it depends on what version you're reading. Uh-huh. Some try to clean it up by saying emasculate. Some say uh, castration, which is not correct. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actually, he's saying amputate your male organ. Yeah, yeah. He said, just think if you're holy by circumcision, think how holy you'll be if you absolutely amputate your male organ. Uh, where was that? I mean, and he said, that's, a... no, that's 5, 5-12. Uh, Mutilated, I guess, is the verse, well, version the, here. Well, see, and they always try to clean it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, the Greek was pretty clear. Cut it off. Yeah, okay. Well, then, yeah, he gets pretty strong there. He's uh, So he, and, I would say he's less than friendly about this. He's trying to be very, very forceful and clear. I, and I, I, get, think I get the picture. It's consistent. <laughs> now, I, I heard that you and the professor uh, debated as well the dating of Galatians as to whether it was before or after the – Council that's recorded in Acts 15. There was some concern because there. I did find out uh, the professor Mike. uh, He he's of the opinion that in. uh, Let me just find it here. It's in. uh, Yeah yeah yeah. Where is it? Um, uh, Chapter two. It says the first verse says. Then after interval of fourteen years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. Mm-hmm. So he was of the opinion it was 14. Prior to our conversation last week, I thought it was three. But I must give the Mike credit. After he said that, I started thinking about it, did a lot of research. I have come around to the conclusion that the Mike was right. It's probably the 14 years. However, I must say... In Which the, would put it after the uh, yes, this council. Letter, this, yeah. In but Acts, it is a puzzle why it was not mentioned in the letter well, because it was such a pivotal throughout the moment. ages have uh-huh. said it's hard to imagine if this took place at that time. Why didn't he mention this decision of these, as he puts them, uh, the pillars? He almost has a certain uh, sarcastic uh, tone when he says the pillars. I went to the pillars because mm-hmm. he says, look, I got the message straight from Jesus. Mm-hmm. However, bad people can say that, too. Mm-hmm. So he, this book, what he does is he goes to the Galatians. He acts, or he he says, "I wrote a letter to the Galatians, saying, who has bewitched you?'" By the way, interesting side note: the word "bewitched" is that's a fascinating word. Isn't mm-hmm. it? He's using what could be translated right back to the Witch of Endor language. So, and the Witch of Endor really, it's what we would use in our ver, uh, vernacular today. It wasn't magic. It wasn't spiritualism. It was what you and I would call ventriloquism. That's the Hebrew. Mm-hmm, what it mm-hmm, actually is Hebrew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he said, when he's saying bewitched, he's actually kind of tying it into that thought and saying, look, these people are bewitching you or doing almost a ventriloquism with you. Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. kind of getting you to believe things that really, that, you know, mm-hmm, throwing mm-hmm. their voice. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I. I I kind of have fallen oh, through the years over the idea that it, that it was written at the later date, the, around, yeah. I think it's around 57, 58 uh, AD, I think uh, is the date that I've kind of settled on because of the internal evidence of the of the book itself. I think I would go with the professor on that one. Well, and, but, I, 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 I've come around to that thought. But it's a little, I agree that it's a little, 
I suspect that possibly, uh-huh. just like the book of Romans is so complete because they had never been there, had never met them, right. it could be that in this particular case that there were representatives from those congregations at the Jerusalem Council, and maybe he didn't feel the need to repeat it because he knew some of the people well had been there. We, so I, I don't think, know. I but think we all can agree, whether it was 3 or 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the letter of Galatians, written to the Galatians, mm-hmm. uh, was written subsequent to Acts 15. I think that's logical. Yeah, I think so, too. The question is, as you bring up, and many scholars over the centuries, but well, why didn't he mention that decree? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he didn't. But I have come around to the professor, to Mike's thoughts, that it's the 14th year. And my excuse for that is, as I mentioned, is that maybe he knew that they already that some of them had been at the council, and therefore he didn't need to repeat it. The Galatians, now you're touching on a a point that I actually wanted to bring up. Uh, This is fascinating to Mm -hmm. me. And I brought this up. Actually, I did talk to Mike today a little bit about this. What's interesting to me is in Acts 15, we have, as the professor pointed out, Mike, that there were three groups out there. You have the guys coming down saying, oh, well, the Christians must be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's facts. 15. I remember the letter of Galatians is obviously subsequent to that. So whenever it took place, 3 or 14, I, I tend to agree at this point that it was 14. But so at Acts 15, you have the people coming down and going to Jerusalem and saying, well, you need to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, second group, of course, would be Paul and his position don't need circumcision at all. Yeah. But Speaking third, of the Gentiles now. We are. I'm going to bring that in just a moment okay. uh, because I got a thunderbolt, I think. And so <laughs> okay. uh, then the third group is the Pharisees that show up and say, oh, they got not only got to be circumcised, they got to obey all the right. laws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the Pharisees are pretty much discounted right away. So let's kind of put them aside. So the mm-hmm. argument is uh, this has nothing to do, I discovered, doing a lot of work this last week, nothing about being Jewish. Nothing. It has to do with the issue of circumcision. I went back and I checked. I read several articles, ancient, ancient, ancient articles, and I went back and I researched it very carefully. The issue is about circumcision, not about being Jewish. Now, when we read it, we tend to think, oh, well, circumcision, Jews circumcised, must be talking about being a Jew. Because the phrase, I think, used was called uh, Judaizers, right? Wasn't that one of the translations Yes, one of the there's a controversy about those guys. Uh-huh. Are those guys uh, Gentiles that like the Jewish stuff, or are they Jews that have become Christians? There's, a, there's an argument about that, too. Okay. But we know this for sure, but who's missing at that council in Acts 15, which was prior to the Galatian letter, is the Galatians. So you got Paul, you got these Pharisees that kind of discounted, and then you got this other group. And they're arguing, we're arguing about Christians. This has nothing to do with the Jews. This is well, a, well, this can is I, a fight. Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. You say Christian. In yeah. other words, we're, can I say, in other words, we're arguing about Gentile converts? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you. So uh, what we're doing is this is a fight in the household of Christians. And the, and if you look real closely, I started. The more I read it, the more I got familiar with. It, the more I read ancient, especially ancient writers, I found the issue is not that they had to be Jewish. The word Jew is not even mentioned, except for these people that come down that want to do the so-called Judaizing, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. But 
The issue is circumcision. So the idea is not exclusion or becoming a Jew first right. and then becoming a believer of Jesus. It's not that at all. It's all about Gentile Christians. Mm-hmm. Some guys are saying, Paul's argument is, is that you do not have to be anything at all to be circumcised. It has nothing to do. The Jews aren't in the part of this at this point. That's why the Pharisees are mm-hmm. kind of discussed. Well, from what you've told me in the past, there was never, if I understand correctly, right. there was never a requirement for Gentile converts to be circumcised or to follow the law. Was there? Or what? You, tell okay, me about well, that. Well, you say converts. Uh, if they con- converts to Judaism. If yeah. converts to Judaism, then mm-hmm. they would have to be circumcised. Uh-huh. If they became a Christian... They did not this, okay. have to be circumcised. Now, as I've always said, it is also clear in several passages, Jesus speaks and Paul and others, that frankly, I'm going to stick to it, that I think they understood that Jesus didn't come to planet Earth to start another religion. No. He came to – and that basically Gentile converts, Gentile followers of Christ were in fact – part of Israel. We became grafted into the people of God through so in that sense in that sense now in terms of a religion and so maybe there was a a religious form that developed around and called Christianity but in essence uh, we were Gentile converts to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to the and so on, but the, uh, there was no need for circumcision right. or for Christians were never excluded from God. The Jews never excluded. Them. You right. can see that because when they left Egypt, sure. they were all together. Right. But here's the point. So this is an argument among Christians, mm-hmm. and here's Paul's argument. Paul's saying, "Look, Abraham, before the law was given, and he's talking about in uh, where's that uh, in uh, Galatians uh-huh. uh, three. 17. Uh-huh. He's talking about 430 years later at Mount Sinai, 430 years later, right. Mount Sinai, the law was given. However, Abraham, as we're told, did abide. he was righteous because of his faith and his belief. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there was a promise to Abraham, and that was prior to Mount Sinai. Therefore, the promise to the Gentiles is based on their faith, and it's a promise. It has nothing to do with being Jewish has nothing to do with that. This is a fight. Now, let me show you what happened. So Paul's saying, look, we've got to be like Abraham, and we have you are the children of promise because Isaac, Jacob, were children of promise. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that's the faith. That makes you a descendant, spiritual descendant of Abraham because you've got the same thing, the faith. Right. That's Paul's argument. Now, here's the catch. So if this is an argument among Christians, why would the other Christians be saying, no, no, we're we're Christians and we agree with you. It's not exclusion, it's inclusion. Mm -hmm, Right. So they're saying, no, we agree that it's all by faith. They're not arguing about that in Acts 15. They're not arguing about this in Galatians. What they're saying is it is about faith that if Paul, and and I already showed you this, but let's suppose that we're cross-examining Paul. And let's say we said to Paul, so let's look at the argument with one question. I can make crystal clear, I think, the argument of the Christians that are arguing for circumcision. Mm-hmm. So if I said to Paul, Paul, you're saying we're children of promise, like Abraham, right? Paul mm-hmm. says, sure. Mm-hmm. Then he asked the question. Paul, answer this for me. 
Now picture a courtroom. Paul's on mm-hmm, the stand, mm-hmm, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And you say to Paul, tell me, Paul, was circumcision given to Abraham, or did it only occur at Mount Sinai? Well, he'd have to say, well, Abraham, thus there's the answer. So the Chris, other Christians are saying, no, if we're going to emulate Abraham and be a child of promise, we have to do what Abraham did. He had the faith. But then what did he do? He got circumcised, so they should be circumcised too. So the argument that's taking place is all among Christians. They all agree it's their children of the promise. They all agree it's all by faith. has nothing to do with this stuff. They're not arguing about being Jewish. has nothing to do with this. This is an argument... Do they have to be circumcised as Abraham was? Or is it just what Paul says? What's well, an argument a, about what human beings, whatever their background, have to do? What is it that human beings need to do to, in order to be to enjoy a confident, secure relationship with God, to be reconciled to God? Right. And in one era, in one time, God was revealing himself to Abraham at Mount Sinai, uh, this this act of circumcision had a meaning had a purpose it meant something yet it expressed something about their response to god response of faith and obedience to god in order to be well that's experience that reconciliation that, that's the argument yeah but now of course with now that messiah has come there's new a, a newer understanding. Both Jesus and Paul talked about circumcision being a spiritual thing, not it's just a, physical. Well, he's saying there's no doubt about it. There's Paul's a circumcision position, of the heart. Paul's position is, and he said, I heard it from Jesus myself. So, and I will, I will accept that as being absolutely mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. However, we the danger is we do know that bad people also say, say that. that. Mm-hmm. So he did go to get the authority and the approval of what he calls the pillars of the community, James, etc. So he did that, so that would give some authority to what he's saying, that if they accepted it, then everybody else should accept it. But so, but the, here is the real question that's really going on. It's not about anything except circumcision. Mm-hmm. And it's saying, look, we agree that all, both sides are saying the same argument. They're saying, yeah, the Gentiles are all by promise, by faith. That's what you believe. Right. And Paul is saying, that's it, no circumcision. The other fellows are saying, no, wait a minute. I read that Abraham, after it was by faith and he was righteous because of his faith, well, and the promise made about his child, mm-hmm. children, that he circumcised. <laughs> so shouldn't we do that? So this argument in Acts 15 is about should, among Christians, two different Christians, what mm-hmm. Paul is really saying mm-hmm. and what this entire thing is about is Paul is saying, I do not want different types of Christianity being taught among Christians. I want all Christians to have the same beliefs and same, same understanding, religion. yes. Exactly. <laughs> so now, it didn't preclude if a believer, if a Christian believer wanted to be circumcised. Uh, it doesn't say anything. But we're talking about requirement now, right? That is, exactly. Okay. You can do what you want. If you want to go do that, you go do that. But uh, the point is, it is, uh, is, that, uh, is that this is about different groups of Christians. Right. And I can you can see if I ask the question, let's say I ask Paul, well, Paul, was circumcision given that, because uh, you say 430 years later, was it given to Mount Sinai or was it given to Abraham? He has to answer truthfully. It was mm-hmm. to Abraham. Abraham uh-huh. Well, that would be the concrete uh, hearing, the other side of the argument. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in that argument is the consideration you just touched on is about circumcision. Now, the question is, what if circumcision, because in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of the Galatians, 
He, Paul says, it doesn't make any difference if you're circumcised. It doesn't benefit you. It doesn't do anything for the Gentiles. He says, so it has no bearing. Well, if it has no bearing, then what's the fight about? Mm -hmm. So we have to go one step deeper and say, what in the world is this deal about Abraham and his circumcision? Why is this such an important thing? We've got to have a hearing about it. We've got to go see James, Jesus' brother. We've got to do all this other stuff. Why? If it doesn't bend anything, in fact, he says uh, in chapter 5, he says, circumcision or uncircumcised, it does not benefit you. If it does not benefit you, then what's the argument? So we have to go back and we have to start getting an understanding of what in the world was this going on and what did they understand that the circumcision that Abraham did upon himself, what is it that it meant that these guys were trying to perpetuate? Well, there's the entrance. Of yeah, the- it's a very, very good question. And keep going. What, what from the Jewish perspective? What was it supposedly a? Uh, I mean, I have a thought about it, but I. Well, you're on a roll. Uh, it's a big sesame roll. Keep rolling. Uh, however, I rolling, I, yeah. rolling, rolling well, on the song, river. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's happening is they arguing about circumcision. And you can see legitimately, if there's two groups of Christians, this has nothing to do with the Jews. No, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we do tend to think when we read it, and, and, uh, and forgive me, when I read it and I heard other people explain it, I thought they're saying, well, I thought people were saying, oh, you've got to be a Jew, then you accept Jesus. That is absolutely incorrect. Right. This is two different groups of Christians saying, no, logically, we should do everything that Abraham did, including circumcision. Paul's saying, no, it's faith, period. Well, Paul makes a brilliant, brilliant argument. He ends up making the argument of the look. It's faith is the replacement for the Gentiles of circumcision. And that's why you'll actually find in uh, chapter 5, and he says uh, in verse five fourteen, he says, The whole law is fulfilled in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on and says, well, if you if you uh, keep if you're not immoral, not impure, you're you do not do idolatry, sorcery, uh, strife, all these other things, and that comes from the spirit. So therefore, that's the spiritual circumcision that Paul argues for, and we know what the result was in Acts 15. His argument won the day. I know mm-hmm. we got some music time to take our first break we'll come back and we'll get into move on from the book of galatians uh let's go in to talk about this letter that paul wrote to the ephesians to the people the believers there in ephesus uh in philippi as well some wonderful colossi colossians thessalonians timothy we've got a lot of letters to read we're going to be reading somebody else's mail tonight that's uh that's our theme uh you can give us a call if you'd like 210-340-9585 and uh, give us your thoughts and your perspectives as well. We'll be back right after these few messages. Don't go away. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. In God's strength, we can avoid the temptation to sin and find true joy and fulfillment in Him. 
Welcome to today's encouragement from our daily bread. Today's reading, titled All for Nothing, was written by Mike Whitmer. Heroin addiction is poignantly tragic. Users build tolerance, so larger hits are required for the same high. Soon, the dosage they seek is more than enough to kill them. When addicts hear someone has died from an exceptionally strong batch, their first thought may not be fear, but where can I get that? C.S. Lewis warned of this downward spiral in Screwtape Letters, his imaginative look at a demon's explanation of the art of temptation. Start with some pleasure, if possible one of God's good pleasures, and offer it in a way God is forbidden. Once the person bites, give less of it while enticing him to want more. Provide an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure, until finally we get the man's soul and give him nothing in return. Proverbs 7 illustrates this devastating cycle with the temptation of sexual sin. Sex is God's good gift, but when we seek its enjoyment outside of marriage, verse 22 says, we're like an ox going to the slaughter. People stronger than us have destroyed themselves by pursuing highs that are harmful. So as verses 24 and 25 advise, pay attention and do not let your heart turn to wrongful ways. Sin can be alluring and addicting but it always ends in death. By avoiding, in God's strength, the temptation to sin, we can find true joy and fulfillment in Him. Today's encouragement was provided by our Daily Bread Ministries. Remember when there was a radio in every room in the house? Well, those days are back. And thanks to Alexa, you can listen to us anywhere. Find out how you can get AM630 The Word through Alexa by going to am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. The songs of the popular indie folk band Bon Iver have often been infused with religious and sometimes Christian motifs. A few songs even quote from the Book of Psalms. However, those tunes have also been somewhat surreal and hard to pin down. And the group's new track, Faith, is equally so. Doubt and insecurity plague this song's prayer-like plea for meaning in life. The group's impulse to ponder existential questions is an admirable one. But if you're looking for definitive spiritual answers to the deep questions that faith poses, well, you won't easily find them here. For a full review, visit PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. You're everything good in my life. Everything honest and true. And all of those stars hanging up in the sky Can never shine brighter than you This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Alright, we are back. This is The Bible Live. 
And we are talking about uh, all things hmm, Pauline epistles. <laughs> I guess I don't know how you would say that better. Uh, Book of Galatians, uh, we've we've discussed it during our first hour, and I think that uh, Professor Mike last week uh, sitting in for me as I was meeting with all – by the way, in our, our gathering with all of the crew, mil- crew oh, yeah, staff yeah, all yeah. across Why the United you, States, what, I, I don't know, must have been six or 7,000 of us there in Moby Gym in Fort Collins, thing? Colorado. And, is uh, it a yearly thing? It's every two years. Every two years. We all gather and uh, have a chance to kind of cross-pollinate from our ministries all across the United States, whether we're working with high school students, college students. Um, what did I say? Uh, John did something. Oh, John. Did you say – I tell you, John's – anyway – <laughs> he probably had to do with the word cross-pollinate, right? It did. Yes. Yeah, I thought so. But, uh, but we got a chance to meet with friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow laborers in the harvest from across the U.S., all of the Campus Crusade for Christ staff, the crew staff, meet from across the land and had a, a great time of fellowship and growth and encouragement. And uh, some days we spent together, all of our crew military, those of us who work in the military um, community, uh, global, actually we're – the crew military is one of the fastest growing ministries within the Campus Crusade uh, family of ministries. Uh, we, we are really – we're in 33 countries now working with the global military community uh, and heard some wonderful things, reports from – oh. Ukraine and from uh, Honduras, uh, what God is doing there, uh, just among believers in the military community across the land. But, but uh, so we had a great time in our conference, and and uh, it, it, it was encouraging. We were we were challenged, encouraged, and, and so on in many different ways, and uh, just a great time of fellowship. So, but thanks so for got, Professor Mike for you get, but you go up there and you city. guys get together. Yeah, uh, once every two years. And you talk about what everybody's doing, and you you stay coordinated. Do you? Yeah, we yeah sure we hear from. Uh, of course, we do through the year anyway. Uh, there are, there are thirty. I think they said thirty two, but I'm not quite sure if I remember the exact number. Uh, thirty two different ministries under under the umbrella of Campus Crusade for Christ, or what's called Crew here in the U.S. What does Crew stand for? Now? Uh, it, yeah. It's not really a standing for anything. It's not an acronym. It just. It, the fact is, is that through the years, college campus crusade for Christ is still essentially a student ministry. They're, I mean, uh, they are our college ministry and our high school ministry, student ministries are still the largest by far <clears throat> of the five or six thousand staff across the land. Uh, I would say three to four thousand are our campus. And on the campus, they never said, hey, let's go over to the Campus Crusade for Christ meeting. Uh, they had already been saying for years, as you know, as students are wont to do, uh, shorten things. Hey, let's go. To, are you going over to crew tonight? Yeah, let's go over to crew. Let's, you know. and, and so they had already come to be doing that over the years. Uh, and so finally, it just realized. Well, let's just we'll just call it crew here in the U.S. Crew military, crew student, you know, crew high school, crew campus, crew uh, different the different communities that we uh, that we minister to. So that's where the crew came from. It's just a it's still technically legally Campus Crusade for Christ, <clears throat> but it's just a shortened version of it. Of it, so you don't say the just say crew. You know, it's like. Um, and I don't it's know. spelled differently Jonathan than we normally spell John. crew, right? C R U, yeah, just crew. 
Um, that's what he said. Well, anyway, we had a great time. And I, again, I want to say thanks to Professor Mike for coming in and, and keeping you straight, riding herd on our our, our friend Jacob here in, in the uh, studio. Uh, I heard you had a great time. I can't, I'm eager to visit with the with There the is professor one last well. thing I do want to point out. About Galatians. About Galatians. Okay. My, real quick. Is that I noticed, and after I saw the letter from Galatians, and I've really been working with it this week, I went back and I looked really closely, did a lot of work on finding about Acts 15. What's fascinating to me is that we've got the three groups. Basically, who's missing in that hearing is the Galatians. Now, maybe they don't have a vote. Okay, they don't. Maybe they don't know very much. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just learning. Maybe they are. But what's interesting is... What do you mean, what is missing where? The Galatians. In the book of Galatians? No, in the in Acts 15, oh, where okay. that meeting takes place. Yeah, there's no mention of That's, them. They're but... not attending. Well, I don't know about that. Well, we, they didn't oh, make a list of everybody there, did they? Well, that sure appears like they did. Okay, but so <laughs> I didn't know I that. I mean, they mentioned individuals and mentioned groups. Mm-hmm. So I would think that the I w- it would seem logical. Now I understand that maybe the Galatians were not invited because they're well. You're we're talking about you, mm-hmm. not to you. Ah, interesting, interesting. But, so what I'm saying is, however, with me, I would say, okay, okay, I don't get decision making power here. I got that, but I should be able to listen. And so I, what I find fascinating is no Galatians got invited. That started startling me about three days ago, and I started realizing that. Because I was reading. I'm not the only one in history to point that out. I, others have pointed mm-hmm. that out. And when I started reading, I thought, whoa, that's interesting. I would have liked to see. If I'm going to make a decision about you, Soapy, I think you should be allowed to watch. Well... Well, I don't think it's absolutely clear that the, that no representative uh, from Galatia not. was there. Okay. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like. And one of the reasons can we they, agree that they're not listed? Um, you know, I'll, I would have to look at it again. I haven't uh, actually well, gone back to. Act, I can go to Acts fifteen and well, look at it. No, I don't want. I don't want but, to stray. But I will tell you, they're not listed. But I, I, I didn't think they were. Um, but the point is, I think I'm not sure the list that is given is. Yeah. Intended to be was or intended to be exhaustive. Okay. And one of the reasons that some people think that perhaps um, th- that Paul didn't give as complete a presentation in Galatians as he did even in Romans is that perhaps there were people there who had been there. Uh, he had spoken with them. He had met them, and so that that is an, another explain explanation for why Romans is so much longer and more complete because he had never been to Rome and didn't had met them. Uh, and that the other epistles were shorter. But we can agree on this, too, that in the book of Galatians, mm-hmm. there's no mention that, hey, remember when you guys were watching this trial <clears throat> we had true. in Acts 15? That's not there either. Anyway, yeah. I, I just found That's that. right. It, and there's not even in 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 uh, Galatians, there's not even this long list of people that say hi to John for me and Mary Jane and Lucy. And remember now, you and Lucy and Mary Jane, you guys got to get along. Remember at the book of uh, uh, most of the end of most of the uh, epistles, Paul goes through this long list of say hi to this one, say he hi to that one. And something else is messing in Galatians. You know what? Since you mentioned that, the greeting. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. He starts out being really hard on. He goes right, he right like to the point, doesn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, there there was some concern. I will there. say this: that in cha- in uh, X uh, chapter, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter three, I'm sorry, uh, two, he does 
list the people he brought with him, which does seem to match the people that were in Acts, uh, Acts 15. But at any rate, uh, all I know for sure is they're not mentioned. <laughs> okay. Well, therefore, let's uh, let's leave uh, the discussion in Galatians. Unless one of our listeners wants to call in and has a question or uh, thought about it, we can hear that. It, there, it's a beautiful book. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think sometimes the, the theological arguments there kind of get in the way of some of the beautiful truth about God's Spirit at work within us and uh, the fruit of the Spirit, well, love, I gotta joy. I got to say that I, you know what I've discovered? No. About Galatians? No, no. It is <laughs> what I would consider, at least at this moment I could change, I've discovered it to be the heart of modern Christian thought. That wouldn't surprise me. It, uh, particularly, I think, uh, as I was saying, the, the, there's some, some wonderful things about God's Spirit at work within us as God's people. Uh, and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control. I, uh, there's some wonderful passages, well worth 220. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives within me. In the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, there's some wonderful per- verses that are beautiful and worth memorization uh, in the book of Galatians. And, of course, some great it, – it's been called uh, the book of Romans light. Uh, and not in a, in a insulting sense, but just is not so long and not so uh, entire. Do you know what you call a, a Jewish guy who was overweight and he lost some weight? You a, know what you call him? Uh, I'm guessing a Hebrew light. No, very close. Uh, Israelite. <laughs> I, goodness, I should have thought of that. All right, let's move on to Ephesians, the book of, uh, of Paul's letter to the believers in Ephesus. Wow. And if you read in the book of Acts about his trip to Ephesus and his time in Ephesus, it was difficult as well. He There was a riot. He got caught up in this riot in the city, and there, this was a, a headquarters for worship. I forget which, which goddess was there. Was it Diana or... Aphrodite? It yeah, was, yeah, it was. You're right, yes. And uh, so there was this big brouhaha about uh, his presence there in the city. And uh, so Ephesians, again, though, uh, is just one of these beautiful books that Paul writes to to God's people in the city. Uh, he talks about spiritual warfare. He talks again about how to walk. we walk by faith in the power of God's Spirit. And and there he mentions how how God has uh, through Jesus through the Messiah he broke down the wall of separation. I've always thought that was a wonderful passage in Ephesians chapter two. That uh, and that's what makes me sad about the idea in some way that that is perceived that somehow Jesus has become a a, a rock of, of separation. Between you know uh, Jewish believers and those who follow after God and, and, and Gentile believers have come. It, it, it's so sad to me because the, that was never, never, obviously never the intent to bring about this separation. And uh, Paul talks about that that the Messiah broke down the wall of separation between Jews and Gentiles, one people of God. One the verse you're assembly. referring to, I think, is uh, Ephesians two two fourteen and sixteen. Is what I'm looking at. Oh, okay, I was reading two fifteen, but that's okay. Well, fourteen through sixteen. That's in fifteen. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see the hyphen when you said. Yeah, that. I see. I see. But yeah, when when I talk, I didn't mention. I, I uh, didn't yeah. say the word through. When I uh, what is it? When I saw what they were following the truth, they were not following the truth of the message, of the gospel. I said to Peter in front of all the others, "Since you a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and all are living with, like a Gentile, why are you well, now are trying you to make?" 
Oh, that's Galatians. Oh, shoot. Come on, Ephesians. So, oh, that's okay. I'm still I don't back mind. I'll stay on Galatians. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was Peter and Paul having their little hassle there. Uh, let me thank you for for Christ Himself has brought about peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people from two from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both the both groups to God by means of His death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Now, and verse I, fifteen, I believe reads, that. But I know you do, <laughs> and uh, and and ultimately, the, as far as relationship to God, salvation, if mm-hmm. you will, even how we're supposed to live, mm-hmm. that I agree with. Yeah. But see, fifteen. The more pristine translation I read, it says abolishing in his flesh the enmity. Mm-hmm. If he abolished in his, his flesh the enmity, the enmity is the bitterness or the resistance. Uh-huh. So he's abolishing the resistance to the commandments because it goes on, abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. And he made one new man. So as I'm reading that is... He put away the hostility or the bitterness against God's commandments. Am I right about that? No, I think it's the hostility toward each other by the the hostility, the barrier between Jew and Gentile broken and knocked down. We both honor and revere God's laws, no doubt about it. God's laws are precious in the reflection of his character. Uh, We, as followers of Jesus, Gentile followers of Jesus, we we. Love God's laws that they are as the scriptures talk about all all the time, because they're a reflection of His character. And further than that, we understand that what the Holy Spirit now is doing within us is He's writing, in fact, God's laws on our hearts. Well, that occurs. So in therefore, Hebrew, yeah. wow, yeah. That, so, that, but look at here. This is one of the things that's fascinating. In other words, we can't just dismiss the laws. We have to. Well, see when I see read how that important and, they are. Yeah, and me being a kind of, sort of a wordsmith. Uh huh. Uh, I'm stuck with the fact that he abolished the in his flesh the enmity against the law of the commandments. So uh, that means I'm taking a different. But look at verse uh, two, uh, verse two twelve, if you will. I, I've often found that verse to be especially interesting to me. Two twelve. Okay. Uh Okay, I'm confused by the first part of that sentence, so I'll go. But I'll go away. I'll go ahead and go to verse twelve. In those days, you were living apart from Christ; you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Messiah Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ, through the blood of Messiah. And so then it goes into verses 14 through 16 that you mentioned, yeah, that we wrote, well, I'm read, reading read this, already, I mean. I'm reading this, now, and correct me if, if you're more experienced with that than I am, mm-hmm. but I'm reading it starting at, let's say, 12, that it says excluded from the commonwealth or citizenship in Israel, but now you are considered part of Israel because of what Jesus did. Exactly. So, and it says, you were separating strangers to the covenant of promise. Uh-huh. Well, I'm I'm having, quite frankly, I've always found that interesting, that if they are have become, according to Paul in his presentation, mm-hmm. if they are now included in the covenant of promise, mm-hmm. uh, 
that would make them uh, blended them or grafted them, I guess, to, sure. to Israel. Of course, yeah. And, and so, proudly so. This Apache is proudly Jewish. Okay, <laughs> we've but, been grafted but, in. And when I read that, so I say, so now what Paul's argument is, as I understand it, mm-hmm. and correct me if if I'm not getting it right, but he's saying, look, you are now in the covenant of promise. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the case, then. 15, when we get down to 15, starts making more sense because you're in the covenant of promise. He has abolished in his flesh the enmity or the resistance, the bitterness towards God's commandments. And I, maybe I'm mistaking that, but that's how that's how the version I'm reading says. Hmm. Because I'm reading, it says, I'll quote it, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is of the law of the commandments, contained in the ordinances. So that in him himself might the two become one new man. And so I'm reading it that he's he did away with the resistance or the enmity. Now maybe your version's a little different than mine. I don't think the enmity is with the law. I mean I think people might have resented the law. Maybe. That I, I can I can uh, I can uh, give you that. And I could be wrong. But it, it seems to me what he's saying is that the barrier between us as people Actually, we probably should have just backed up and read the whole. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called, quote, uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ, you Gentiles. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you do not did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ, uh, with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood, the sacrifice of Christ. For Christ, Messiah Himself, has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now I agree that perhaps part of that hostility was uh, about the commands and the and so on. Um, but I guess I've always interpreted more of a personal sense of that we that I can love my Jewish brethren. We can love and appreciate well, each the, other. I was noticing those verses you're reading. It helps me uh, if sometimes if you'd mentioned the mm-hmm. number that you're reading. Mm-hmm. But I noticed in the version you're reading. Boy, is that written different than the NASB that I'm looking mm-hmm. at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, and that, I guess, we had to look. You'd have to go back to the original. And, well, and I what guess, is the original? I think it's is it actually saying something different? Well, um, uh, you said something about in their uh, the uncircumcision in their hearts. They were uh, mm-hmm, yeah. Know. I'll back up to verse eleven yeah. to read that. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> we we read fifteen, sixteen, then we went back and read twelve through thirteen. And it says <laughs> nothing in the NASB, which I believe is the most literal. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it says nothing about their in their hearts. They avoided and they didn't like that. It doesn't say anything like that. Well, well, clearly though, the the idea here is that some kind of barrier is removed between Jews and Gentiles, right. and that I, there I is agree, I agree with that. should be a sense of love and admiration and respect for one another. Because as in a, in essence, 
As I told uh, that rabbi friend of ours that time, he asked me, what what religion do you consider yourself soapy? I said, essentially, I I think of myself as I'm a Jew. I've been grafted into the following the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets, the Messiah, the text, the scriptures, the commandments, and the Jewish Messiah. How much more Jewish can I be? And uh, so I, I really do think that that is the biblical model for us as Christian believers to understand that we – we have been grafted into God's people, uh, into Israel, and Jesus and Paul make that very clear. And Ephesus, the, the book to the Ephesians, is is very helpful in that sense. It's very practical. It talks about the implications of our relationship to God to our marriages. Uh, there's a great, a, a pretty good amount of uh, space given in the letter in chapter 5 in particular. Uh, Paul talks about uh, uh, the effect of of our faith, walking with Christ, how that, how that should change our marriages, husbands and wives and children, and he goes into the family relationships, uh, employees and employers. He talks. He brings up that point uh, in, in um, also, uh, particularly I think in Ephesus, he talks about uh, um, slaves and masters. He uses those terms because the reality of the era in which Paul lived was Rome of the first century. And I forget how many of the people – my understanding was that over half of the people were in some kind of uh, slavery or – I think that only one out of 12 or 13 were actually citizens. The others okay. were – Wow, yeah. And did you know why people wore bangs? Bangs? On their head, their hair. Because it was easier to get a haircut with a bowl, and they just put a bowl on your head and cut around, and you left the band. That's such a practical reason. I see you're I, I, abolishing, I I see you're abolishing the My genius is at work. <laughs> so, but uh, actually, no, that's not that's right. Because they evidently. were hiding the brand of their owner. Oh, and so, I didn't know that. Well, that's good. That's uh, good. Okay. So, I, yeah, and there is, and, and I will tell you something interesting. For a long time, in the religion of Rome, uh, which came along. They didn't Caesar worship is that the idea? The emperor worship? Yeah, is but that also what you mean, Christianity the was coming along, and even the early Christians they oh, did I not see. like to have the idea of uh, the Ten Commandments because they didn't want to have a system because they believed in slavery. Uh-huh. So they don't have a system that says at least one day a week the slaves and you are all equal. They didn't like that idea, so they tampered at that time with the Ten Commandments. Isn't ah, interesting, interesting. Yes, it is. Oh well, there's so much we look at it in Ephesians. It talks about uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, chapter six is gorgeous about putting on the belt of, of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoe, the boots of peace. And it is said that that Paul wrote this from Rome, and that I he want was, to talk to you about that. He was chained to some from Roman guards, and so he just took. Look at their uniform, and it, you know it's thought that he he may have looked at their uniform and said, "Okay, look, yeah, you've got the belt of uh, of uh, righteousness. You've got the breast. I mean, I'm sorry, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and and that he took his model and and kind of preached his message there in Ephesians chapter six from a living example that he was probably uh, chained to in, in, as he was a prisoner you know, there I've in Rome. I've been to the spot. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been to the yeah. spot in, in Rome where supposedly the crossroads were. I have. I've been there now, I do years want, ago. I, I do want you to address this. Okay. Because this is something that's always puzzled me. I understand that the common teaching is is that he's talking about the Romans' suit of armor uh-huh. and their warfare gear. 
Doesn't, now, he never actually says that, but I guess we presuppose what I wanted it. To ask you. That's what I wanted to ask you. He never says the word Roman. Uh-huh. And I've wondered about this over and over because this is a quote from the passage in Isaiah. Oh. And, it's, and it has nothing to do with Romans. Okay. Give me that quote so that well, we can look see, at it. Where's that at? Let's it doesn't see. surprise me because both Jesus and Paul, they were constantly uh, in their in their writing and their speaking, there were references to the Hebrew Scriptures. So that well, wouldn't surprise I me at all. I, it's in chapter head. 6, I think, is where we have that picture. It is. It is. Let's see if I, I – That's why I wanted to hear you explain that because I wonder because I've looked at that. I don't see him mention – the word Roman, mm-hmm. and uh, I, and it just was hard for me to get my mind around. I could be wrong, but it's hard for me to get my mind around that he's talking about. Put on the Roman uniform. It re- references Isaiah chapter eleven here, uh-huh. Isaiah chapter fifty nine, okay. Isaiah chapter fifty two. We can look at it during the break here. Okay. We're coming All up right. on a break because I know that this Let's is check a, that out. This is a quote, and I'm thinking he's referring to what the. God's system was as opposed to Roman, but I could be Very wrong. interesting. We could look at that. Uh, I've heard, I guess we kind of presuppose that he's sitting there, he's chained to this Roman guard, and he says, oh, you know, there's a breastplate there, and he uses it as an example. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's referring to the Hebrew Scriptures. We'll look at that during the break and come back and uh, kind of talk about what we discovered there. Folks, there's our music. We're coming up on our final segment. If you'd like to give us a call and participate, the phone number here is 210-340-9585 if you have something to say about uh, Galatians, Ephesians, or any of these Pauline epistles. We'll come back in just, uh, just a little bit, not very long at all. Please don't go away, and we'll finish out our Bible Live program. To sing, the flowers start their blooming. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. God's love wants you You want to sing, it's fresh like spring You want to pass it on You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And, of course, my friend Jacob. Here we are. We're going into our final segment. Give us a call if you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Or and, even uh, if you disagree with us. That, I don't mind that. You don't you mind know, that? I, I surely don't. People well, have thought, a right I, to be wrong. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, thought, uh, I, I thought that that was my position. <laughs> well, yeah, you too have the right to be wrong. That's, a, that's no, no problem whatsoever. So, <laughs> we, are, we, we are created equally with that right. Um, anyway, yeah, I looked. We looked up the passage in Isaiah, and you're right as rain. It is a very beautiful passage. Uh, it, 
Well, that's why I wanted to have you explain. Lord because- Lucton was displeased yeah. to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies, and so on, so on. So, yeah, that is referenced in the... Um, you know, in the little notes in the side of our Bible, you know, kind of the, what they call the what do they call those? The cross referencing, and yeah, Paul may very well have made well, that in mind. The only reason I wanted had that to in have you explain that was because I've looked for the word Roman. It just no. I, it was like grinding a wheel. Like I thought, I don't understand. Paul would be saying these guys killed us. Twelve out of thirteen people are slaves, and they're persecuting us all. Yeah, yeah. and we should, but we should dress like them. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is. I I guess his his advice there in the book of Ephesians in chapter six about the 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 sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and the the shield of faith and all. I I don't think of it as a fashion uh, a, a fashion uh, suggestion. Oh, it looks so beautiful. <laughs> I didn't even read my own notes. Did you see the notes right there? I even put notes in there. What did you say? Uh, Isaiah 50, 59. Oh, there you go. See there, you had it down all along. Well, I, I didn't read my own notes, but I, well, I had I'm never noticed saying, that reference. I'm not saying this. I know I I was at a church mm-hmm. not too long ago, maybe mm-hmm. a month ago, and somebody's quoting this and describing it as the Roman outfit. Sure. And I thought I didn't say anything because I was well, against. I mm-hmm. But um, but I thought this. It just seems like I. It's like. Hearing a grinding of a wheel, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. I, I really do. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with thinking that Paul may have had may have had both things in mind. I mean, who knows? Uh, we're not told exactly where he got his inspiration. No. Uh, uh, and either one could have been part of his experience. And it certainly was, particularly the scriptures we know. And we do know he was, uh, at some point, he was under house arrest and he could look to his side and go, hmm, there's a nice example right there I for really me. like that guy's sword. And that short <laughs> skirt looks so good on him. Uh, yeah, I don't know so if listen, that was part of the thought wanna, process. But. I know you got a lot of stuff. All right, let's go to Philippians. Okay, look at verse uh, Philippians 1, 1. I love Philippians. It's one of my favorite books. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. <sighs> I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus give you grace and peace. So why is he referring to himself? Your version says slave. Servants, slaves. Well, in Hebrew, the word... What are the doulos? No, I, I don't, Gre- I'm sorry. Greek? I don't know about the Greek. I think you're right. I think that's what I've heard in the Greek. Mm-hmm. But I know in Hebrew, it's eved, mm-hmm. which is not really a slave and not really a servant. But uh, this is the version I'm looking at, the NASB. And I always encourage, and I'm sure you do too, people to look at several different versions and see how different people translate it. That's always a good idea. I keep several versions, and I will look at different translations. Uh, but it, my version says Paul and Timothy, bond servants. Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> Which is a different kind of uh, – uh, explain bond servant. So, well, as we talked about, uh, we know that as far as the, for the Jews, uh, there's t- only two ways you become a quote-unquote slave or bond servant. Mm-hmm. One is you're a thief. You stole something from somebody, and you have to, you don't have money to pay it off, so you must work it off. Or number two, 
you borrowed money. You know, I, I want a hundred thousand bucks for my wife's surgery. I'll work for it for two years for that if you'll put, give me the money for my wife's surgery. So I got to work it off. I'm a baseball player. I signed a contract. Or I stole your radio and I don't have money to pay for it, so I got to work off the price of the radio. Something so the like reference here would be uh, <clears throat> Paul is referring to himself and Timothy as indebted, indebted. to Jesus Christ in exactly. a sense. Exactly. <clears throat> and as we talked before, there is only one instance where you cannot seek forgiveness from the person that you harmed. If I steal your radio, I can come to you, give you a new radio. But if I wrongly participated in your death, I can't ask you for forgiveness because you're dead. And I've often wondered, when I read the stuff about Paul and all this, I've wondered, is Paul saying, I, I, Jesus spoke to me, I saw him, I had to take his place and finish his work because I helped. I owe him my life. No, yeah. I helped kill him. Mm-hmm. Not just owe. Oh, in the Christian idea, every Christian owes their life, as I understand it, mm-hmm. to the salvation given by mm-hmm. Jesus. Okay. That's a Christian thought, right? Mm-hmm. But I think Paul participated in, in his death. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> and so well, we all did in a sense because he sense. died for our sins. And you did. That, it was my sin that placed him there. I'm distinguishing. That's why I laid the groundwork with the first thing. Uh-huh. I'm get... saying that I think he was on the set hundred, and that put Jesus on trial. I have reasons for thinking that beyond the scope is. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he was uh, he was mentored by Gamaliel, who we know was on the um, a member of the Sanhedrin. Right. And so, yeah, it would be perfectly reasonable. Well, I have some other reasons to think that. But <clears throat> so if indeed he participated in, let's say, killing an innocent man, then he owes that man something. And he can, the only thing he can give him is like a life of service, perhaps. I'm just suggesting. But like when David had Uriah killed, and then the baby died, of course, and he took Bathsheba, Solomon was born. But Solomon should have been technically not David's son, technically. But here's so what happened is he could only, and Solomon says, my mother Bathsheba crowned me king of Israel, Mm -hmm. not David. So there was a debt owed, and David had to give it to Solomon because he had to take the most valuable thing he's got, which is not even a life, but give that to Solomon in replacement of what he did to his dad. So that's what I've wondered about this. Yep. Well, let's move then to Philippians. I want to explain uh, why it's one of my favorite. Is that Paul is right? Remember, <clears throat> if we read in the book of Acts, Paul's experience with the people of Philippi was really a very, just a very positive experience. Of course, he got arrested, he got put in in jail, but then uh, God was sent an angel to free him to from jail and. Uh, a couple of things. One of his first converts was uh, Lydia, a seller of purple, a businesswoman um, that he met down by the river uh, on, on a Sabbath day. And Lydia, and then he was put in jail, and and he was liberated and freed from jail. And the jailkeeper uh, was going to kill himself because the the I understand that the punishment for his failure in his task of keeping. The prisoners was uh, punishable by death, and so <clears throat> him alone or his family too. 
I don't know. I didn't know. My understanding is you're right. My understanding would be him and his family. However, if he died in the service, he could spare his family. Would that be the morning service or the evening service? I think that uh, one time I did hear it. Good, good joke. <laughs> I heard about this kid that was in a lower yeah. level of a church, yeah. and then a pastor come by, and a little boy's looking up, and uh, and he said, and the little boy says, uh, "Well, what is that?" And, he, and the pre- pastor says, "Well, that's the name of all the people that died in the service." And the little boy said, "The nine thirty or 11? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I like that one. But uh, let's go back to this topic. Is that yeah. he? What was it that we were, we were talking about there in Philippians that yeah. that he he's in Paul is in prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's uh, oh, and we were talking about his servanthood. Yeah. Wasn't the bond slave the idea too? The picture of bond slaves, Timothy, that they were there was voluntary servant servanthood. In other words, it's when uh, a servant is set free, but remember they nail their earlobe or something, uh, pierce their earlobe. After they completed their time, it says you must take them to the door. The reason the door is one mm-hmm. more step and mm-hmm. they are free. But if mm-hmm. they say, I don't want to go, I like I like it here. I, I like, like being part of this family. I want to live here and serve you. So what you do is you have to put – you actually, believe it or not, you, you let them – but you have to put a, they say an awl, A-W-L, but you put a little hole in the ear, put an earring on it. And that is meant to be a symbol that this is the ear that will not listen to one more step and he's free. This is the, the ear that will not listen to freedom. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, that I, voluntary, in other words, volunt- I want to so stay, I want to serve you. One more step, that's why it must be done at the door. One more step and he's free. But so if he says, I don't want to be free, I want to stay and work, then you are required to put like an earring serve on him, you. Yeah. which means yeah. that uh, this is for the ear that will not listen that he's free. Was that part of what he's saying? We're, we're involuntary servitude to Jesus Christ. Was that a part of that greeting? It, it, was that a part, the idea of the bond slave or not? Uh, I can't answer that because okay. I don't know. But I do know. I do like uh, chapter uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, 3, verse 5. Uh, let me give some just a general background, and we'll go to chapter three, verse five. The reason I like it is that here Paul is in prison. Uh, oh, oh yeah, I was talking about he went to Philippi. He had a great experience. He met Lydia. Uh, he was thrown in prison, but instead of killing himself, when this uh, jail keeper was going to kill himself, fall on his sword and kill himself, uh, Paul said, "Don't don't harm yourself. We're all here." And remember, even when he was in jail. Uh, the two of them were, were thrown into jail, Paul and Timothy. Uh, there they were singing uh, in the night hours. They were singing, uh, which is so wonderful. They were singing even in prison jail. And, and then when, I know what song they were singing. Um, okay. Jailhouse Rock. Jailhouse Rock. Exactly. And then God rocked the jail, and they, they were actually set free. But he said, don't, don't harm yourself to the jailer. He said, we're all here. And, uh, and so the jailer became a convert. What should I do to be saved? And I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved in thy house. And so there's these wonderful experiences, intimate, uh, deep you know, experiences of love and devotion with the people and with uh, these believers. But then <clears throat> he's, he's, uh, later on he's arrested. These pe- the believers in Philippi sent him a gift. While he was in prison, and he thank he, in this letter he thanks them for their gift, for their love for him. It's just a precious letter of fellowship and of, of oneness and, and, and mutual love between God, between Paul. I'm sorry, and the the people of Philippi here. Uh, and uh, another thing about Philippi is 
he's in prison writing a letter from prison, but I've forgotten how many times I was trying to look. It seems to me like 23 times, 24 times. I've heard different numbers depending on maybe the version. Uh, some of the modern versions, the words are different. But so many times the word joy or rejoice or enjoy, joy is used so often. And it's kind of the central theme of the book of Philippians uh, is the joy uh, that we can have in Christ, in spite of the fact even it, it, our joy is not circumstantial. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. It's dependent upon that our relationship to God Himself. It's just a it's just a precious book. It really is. What were you going to say about what chapter? Oh, you uh, were? chapter three, <clears throat> verse five. Mm-hmm. Is, is it you like this verse or what is well, it about it this verse? Well, it tells us a little bit about Paul and his background. Oh yeah, right. And then yeah. six, he talks about how he was persecuting the church. And you see, if he's doing all this bad stuff, as we know, he did with Stephen in the Book of Acts, uh-huh. and maybe he was on the Sanhedrin that involved Jesus' trial. Then he has an obligation to somehow pay back the people he injured. You see, that makes him a bond servant. Exactly. Well, that is in chapter 3 is where Paul, once again, we hear Paul telling his story of his journey of faith. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm a member of the Pharisees. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was zealous, uh, so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church the followers of the way. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And I once thought these things were valuable, but now I know them to be worthless because of what Christ has done. Uh, That is the means by which we relate to God. Everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing him, Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else and so on. It's just it's a beautiful, beautiful passage, actually, about his devotion to the Lord and perhaps what you're talking about, that, that debt of life that he owes to the one who uh, took upon himself his sin, and that he participated well, we in that. We also know that, that he is responsible for Stephen's death. That we do know that uh, he he uh, held the robes, uh, held the, the 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 coats of those who uh, stoned Stephen. Which which is a, a <clears throat> emblematic way of saying he was the witness. He yes. So there you have it. The book of Philippians is is a great encouraging book. And uh, so uh, I want you to look at that. Let's let's move on. Though we can't talk, we can't stay too long there. If we're going to continue, at least comment a little bit on each of the different book. Now, the book of Colossians, uh, following Philippians, uh, is, is oh, oh yeah, Philippians has that wonderful verse that almost everybody has memorized. Every oh, Christian yeah, I know, I am cru- uh, no not uh, I can do all things. Philippians four thirteen, I can do all things through Christ. Uh, my Savior. Let me see where that is. Uh, I can read it. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Um, beautiful passage that we all like to memorize. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, let's go to Colossians. Any any uh, uh, great insights about this book to the believers in the city of Colossae? Uh, it was there. Uh, he had Undoubtedly, bend uh, through Laodicea, Laodicea, and uh, on his third missionary journey, and it lay, it's on the main route, what was called uh, there was the Epian Way, but uh, he had never <clears throat> been to Colossae, though a large city with a significant pol- uh, population. Colossae was smaller 
less important than the nearby cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. Oh, I didn't know that. He had never been to Colossae. I'm just kind of being reminded. Maybe I knew it and forgot it. But he's writing to the Colossians, and there was some kind of a you know, controversy the Appian, there, too, as the well. Appian right? Way right now in Rome, uh-huh. a lot of very wealthy people have very large homes, including next door to each other was Sophia Loren, and next door is Frank Sinatra's house. In? in uh, on the Appian Way. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Well, well, that's an interesting little factoid. Yeah, there's uh, No doubt about also, it. Also, Frank Sinatra built a building at the University of Jerusalem, and the cafeteria is named called the Frank Sinatra Cafeteria. <laughs> Good to know. From the Chamber of Commerce of Colossi comes Jacob. <laughs> um, it was once a grand city made commercially successful through exports of black wool, by the time of the New Testament, Colossae, though, was surpassed by her neighboring cities, Laodicea and Hierapolis. It was significant, a, nevertheless a significant place for the gospel to take root, for it was located near a busy road 100 miles east of the major city of Ephesus. Uh, we were struggling there with a heresy that appears to be an early form of Gnosticism. Um, so Paul's How letter. You, well, let me ask you real quick in your expertise of vast knowledge and a library of encyclopedia oh, reference. Uh oh, he's playing up to me, folks. So it's going to uh, be a trap. It's going to be a the trap door is going to no, fall. No, no, no. Chapter two, verse sixteen. Tell uh-huh. me what you think about that. I'm moving fast because of time. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality. To come, and Christ Himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self denial or worship of angels, saying that they have visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For He holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. I, I, I think this is that's a part about three of, verses, but that's okay. <clears throat> what, uh, what, what do you take of that to mean? I, I think it. It, what he's saying, don't let anyone condemn you, exactly what it says. Uh, in other words, I think it affects both Jews and Gentiles and Christian believers. And, and frankly, any any religious system, uh, it, it's not rituals and it's not holidays and, and giving this, offering and that. These are not the ways by which... We are made right with God. It doesn't mean they don't have any value. They can be a perfectly good expression of our faith and our devotion to God and our love for him and for others. But but they are not the means by which we are uh, made right with God. In other words, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat. And so we do, there is freedom uh, in Christ. We're, uh, that's what I get it. And I would... I, Personally, I think that's both Jews and Gentiles. Well, he's writing it not to the Jews, but to the Colossians. Sure. So this his audience here is the Colossians, not the Jews. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, that, I, I'll, I'll, in other words, I hear you say that. I'll, I, I think he's talking to both, but uh, go. that's fine. I don't have well, a problem really with that. What I really like is 17 where it says it's a mere shadow of things to come. Yes. See, I've noticed that Paul used that occasionally, and later actually adapted into Greek philosophy, because the Jewish idea is that everything on earth, like like we're sitting here right now, mm-hmm. is uh, this is a shadow. Mm-hmm. It feels real to us, but this is only a reflection of what's really in heaven. And so, uh, in fact, uh, there's a reference I think in somewhere in the New Testament, perhaps you mm-hmm. can help, that says uh, that the ark. 
on earth is just the shadow, shadow of what's in heaven. Mm-hmm. So that's a very Jewish idea. Mm-hmm. The Jewish idea is that everything here on earth is really a reflection of what's in heaven, but just a shadow or a reflection. And a shadow doesn't mean n- unimportant, I don't think. No. I think I, uh, shadows indicate something. They they for, they foretell, they foreshadow uh, the, re- the reality. And I think what he's saying here is that yeah, our, our offerings that we give, our, our devo- keeping a Sabbath, or worshiping God. We all we we circumcise, we baptize, we we have foot washing ceremonies in some churches, and all of these things that we do, they are important. Uh, they are important expressions of our faith toward God, and yet they are they are shadows in the sense they that they are pictures. Of, of of spiritual reality. In other words, let's say our baptism is a uh, ceremonial washing of water as we're baptized, like Jesus was by John the Baptist and so on. Baptism, baptism is a picture of our uh, washing and our being cleansed and washed uh, spiritually uh, in our, through, through the sacrifice at the cross. So in other words, Baptism, water baptism, doesn't save us, but we are saved by baptism, and that is the baptism, spiritual baptism, where we're baptized in the body of Christ, so the Holy Spirit. Come, we're baptized. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, as John said he would do. He, the one who comes behind me, will baptize you with with uh, um, what with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we there's a, there's a spiritual reality. And our and our uh, our water baptism, circumcision, all of these are pictures. Of, they have a value. I don't. I don't think it means they're not important. Is that? Do you understand it well, that way as well? I distinguish in my mind <clears throat> the difference between what God said you shall do and then other things that we traditionally make mm-hmm. a symbol. Oh, if God says you shall do it, then I don't consider that just to be <clears throat> a, a, a ritual or something. That's actually a command. But I oh, do, and it's important. Yeah. But it it's. It's an. Hmm. I don't. I don't say it. It's not the in, the means and indication. The the means of salvation. No, no, no. It, has nothing uh, to it, do it with is an expression of that salvation. We do that. Why? Because we are God's people. Because we are set apart. Because well, we. I would we want say to obey that, him and honor uh, yeah, him. The difference is that if I if I do a man made thing, that's one thing. That's great. That's tradition. That's tradition. But uh, if God uh, tradition, says, but if I if God says, "Look, you shall do this," then that is a a commandment in my book. Oh, sure so it that, is. So I think that's something different than a, a tradition or a custom. But uh, there is one verse in all the time. There's something I really find fascinating okay. in Colossians chapter four, verse fourteen. But God knows what your version says. <laughs> he does, I'm sure. Uh, what verse is it? Fourteen. Talking about Luke? Yes. The beloved doctor. He sends his greetings, and so does Demas. So evidently, uh, that's what I wanted to they point were out. together, right? Yeah, that's what I want to point out. Is that here's one of the, I, I guess you could help us out on this, but I guess it's one of the rare instances where actually Luke is mentioned. That's exactly right. Luke is, uh, is with Paul at this point. This also is written, if I believe, if I understand correctly, uh, thought to be written from prison, from Rome. Um, let me see the date of the writing. Are you trying to tell us that Paul was a repeat offender? 
He wrote. <laughs> he right. It's a good thing they didn't have the three strikes and all. He was a recidivist. Uh, he is believed to have written Colossians during his first imprisonment in Rome, uh, and looking at referencing to Acts twenty-eight. The difficult conditions of Roman imprisonment were temporary and alleviated by the care of his friends who brought him supplies and news of the outside world, and as the Philippians had done before him and so on. And now we're, we see, too, that uh, evidently Luke is there visiting uh, with Paul in prison. So uh, You know the most recent movie they had at the theater is about Paul, right? Yes, uh-huh. and uh, Luke's there, and I understand this was one of the primary uh, one of the primary versions that they got the idea that Luke was there with him while he's in prison. Anyway, there's music. You may also order. I heard okay. music. Go and, for, yeah. and I should say this: that always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. All right, we are going to have to get out of here, and so we are thanking you, folks, for joining with us, Jacob. Great to be back in the saddle here with you on a Sunday evening. Don't forget our program Monday through Friday. I think we're in the book of Isaiah, are we not now? We're going to be starting it. In the book of Isaiah this coming week. So you can hear a 15 to 20-minute reading from the Scriptures every weeknight, the entire Bible every year. Then join us with us next Sunday, and we'll talk about what we've read together. God bless you, folks. See you then. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.